Welcome to the Flood Church Sermon Podcast, where we bring you sermons from our teaching team at Flood Church, Lilongwe, Malawi. For more information, you can go to floodchurch.com. So today's topic comes out of Nehemiah 12, the verses 27 through, and I've decided to shorten it a little bit through 43, out of the ruins through thanksgiving and rejoicing. Out of the ruins through thanksgiving and rejoicing. And as we read God's word, I invite you to stand for the reading. I've also allowed myself to amend the text a little. I will not read all of the names. 27. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The musicians also were brought together from the region around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Netopatites, from Beth Gilgal, and from the area of Geba and Asmavet, for the musicians had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem. When the priests and Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was to proceed on top of the wall to the right, toward the dung gate. Hoshiah and half the leaders of Judah followed them, along with them seven others as well as some priests with trumpets and also Zechariah, son of Jonathan, and five others, and eight of his associates, with musical instruments prescribed by David, the man of God. Ezra, the teacher of the law, led the procession. At the fountain gate, they continued directly up the steps of the city of David, on the ascent to the wall and passed above the site of David's palace to the water gate on the east. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction. I followed them on top of the wall together with half the people, past the tower of the ovens of the broad wall, over the gate of Ephraim, the Yashana gate, the fish gate, the tower of Hananel, and the tower of the hundred, as far as the sheep gate. At the gate of the God, they stopped. The two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God. So did I, together with half the officials, as well as the seven priests with their trumpets, and also Maseah and seven others, and the choirs sang under the, the direction of Jezrahiah. And on that day, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing, because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. This is God's word. You may be seated. A long, tiresome process of rebuilding has finally come to an end. The wall is finally finished. The city is now safe 
again and people can live in it. What an occasion to celebrate, to rejoice, and to give thanks, yes, to give thanks to God. And the celebration, it was. The Levites, important religious people at the time, who were also musically gifted, were invited, priests, other musicians carrying all kinds of instruments, other members of choirs. It almost seems that as if Nehemiah was putting together a worship band with the best musicians around. The priests and Levites cleansed themselves, purified themselves and the people. The wall was cleaned as well as its gates, ready to sparkle as the leaders of Judah and the choirs started on their procession on and along the wall. What a sight this might have been for the people inside and the people outside of the wall. Those that had been waiting for the wall to be finally complete and those outside that had questioned and doubted the whole project all along, mocking Nehemiah, yes, evening threatening him. The procession took them along the wall and passed the gates of the town. Among others, they passed the dung gate and the fountain gate, the water gate and the fish gate, the sheep gate and the gate of guard, and finally arrived at the house of God, the temple, where the celebration reached its climax, the musicians playing and singing even louder, <clears throat> together with the officials of the city and the priests and Levites. Sacrifices, so gifts to God were brought on that day and the people rejoiced. The women and children joined in, rejoicing because God had given them joy. What a celebration it was. Just like Nehemiah and his people, we have also come a long way on our path with God. Whether we've been Christians for a very long time or just recently received Christ or whether we're still finding out how this all works with being a Christian, whether our path has been bumpy or smooth, we've been on a way and a long way with God, even if we didn't realize because God was on his way to us, looking for us. Some of us might be looking at our house of life, our house of faith, like I did at my sandcastle. Happy, proud, smiling. Look at what I've accomplished. Some might be looking at the building blocks, not quite sure how to put up the next one, where to put it. Others might still be digging themselves out of the rubble. We all have, we all have different stories. But we all, we all have come some way, a long way. And whether we can believe it at this point or not, there will come a time of thanksgiving and rejoicing. Some of us are maybe in that season of thanking God, of rejoicing. Others are still waiting for it, but it will surely come.
In our joy and thanksgiving, let us not forget where we came from. The procession took the priests, Levite, and musicians past the dung gate. The waste and trash and dung of the city was not buried and burnt in the city, but was carried out of that gate to be outside of the wall, outside of the city. The things that people didn't need any longer, the waste of animals and other, human, other living beings, sorry, <clears throat> possibly a, a mix of very unpleasant looking and smelling things were carried out of that gate. While God is building or rebuilding the ruins of our lives, we will have to smell, feel, and face the waste of our lives. The things that pollute our hearts, that eat up our bodies, that destroy our relationship to God, to our brothers and sisters, to our neighbors, to our spouse, to our children. And while we can know that we can put those things at the foot of the cross and that God forgives us that waste, yes, even throws it into the deepest of seas, we might experience that even as our ruins have been rebuilt, even as we celebrate the new building, some of that waste might resurface at some point. And we might be reminded where we came from in that area lying in ruins, or that was lying in ruins. So in our joy and thanksgiving, let us not forget where we came from. For me, the clearest encounter with this truth, and I might have shared this up here already, was when I met Hannah and we started liking each other and things started getting more serious between us. I had come out of a relationship some years back, disappointed, uncertain, hurt, while at the same time determined that something like that should not happen again. So I had set up a list of things that I was looking for in a future wife, and believe me or not, when I met Hannah, I could tick off all the points, thank God. And... I never doubted at that point, although we had a lot of challenges in our time of dating, that it, this would work out. And yes, I did rejoice and give thanks to God, because the way our relationship had developed up to that point clearly showed divine intervention to me. But in the rejoicing and thanksgiving, I also somewhat painfully had to experience what it meant to pass by the dung gates of my life. I knew that if this new building of our future relationship was to really be of substance, I could not forget and hide where I came from, what my previous relationship had been like, and where I had possibly also left waste and trash lying around. And I had to carry some of that dung out through that dung gate, put it out there. Some of it as information, other things as confession. And through that, at times, painful process, 
God was able to build our relationship and our marriage clocked 11 years this year. I'm not sure what would have happened if I would not have put the trash out there at that time. If I would have allowed the relationship to progress and would have had to carry the trash out much later in our relationship. We thank God that the counsel we received from others, the prayers, the books we read enabled us to, to open up about our trash. The celebrations, the joy of our success in our life, or the rebuilding of something that lay in ruins can sometimes easily make us forget where we came from. For others, it might not be the topic of relationship. It might be the job after a long phase of un unemployment. The first salary is easily spent five times, ten times, um, on new sets of clothing, a new perfume, a party with friends, before we were even able to give thanks to God with a portion of that salary. Or the celebrations after a successful exam quickly make us forget the struggle in our studies, the mentors we had, the answered prayers, and we start seeing ourselves as the author, authors of this success. Nehemiah 12 reminds us, in our joy and celebration, let us not forget where we came from. At the same time, we need not dwell on it. We don't have to sit in the dung, constantly reminding ourselves of the dung and waste in our lives. After all, it has been forgiven. And just like we can move on, the procession moves on. We read that the procession then passed the fountain gate and climbed up the, st the steps of the city of David. The fountain gate was a gate protected by a roof through which fresh water from the fountain was brought into the city. The fresh water coming from its source was to arrive in the city without being contaminated. In the midst of our celebrations that God is rebuilding our walls, we are reminded to go to the fountain, to the source of life, to what fills us and strengthens us, to God himself. When I think of a fountain, I think of water coming out from deep below the surface of the earth. Ideally, the water is coming without ceasing, without stopping. A fountain just is, although fountains can also dry up, but in an ideal case, a fountain just is. There's not much we can do for the water to come or not to come. For me, I can look back at a number of situations in, in which I had sought God for help in a specific difficult situation to build up the ruins or to carry me out of the rubble of that moment. And when I was out, at times, I would celebrate, but often just move on, almost taking the success or help I had received for granted. Maybe I would send up a quick prayer of thanks, that was it. Either I was busy 
moving on in life again, or busy looking for the right music for the party, or baking a nice cake for the celebration, that I completely forgot the source of the success, the architect of the rebuilding. When was the last time we stayed at the fountain after a moment of success? After a season in which we saw God rebuilding the ruins of our lives. Just staying in the presence of God. In rejoicing and thanksgiving. Just staying. Just being. Just being with him. In Luke 10, we, we read about Martha and Mary. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus while Martha was busy with the preparations that had to be made, obviously. Martha sat at the fountain. Mary sat at the fountain. She just was. Martha was busy doing. Let me share another incident in my life. The beginning of the year, I had to go through a routine operation, which was done here in Lilongwe. Needless to say, an operation can be a source of anxiety almost anywhere in the world. But even more so, maybe, if you're not quite familiar with the environment yet. And I have to admit, as someone who has, thank God, been spared from major health issues in the course of my life so far, the prospect of getting an operation and then not being able to be at 100% of my body capacity within maybe a week or so, um, but having to wait six to eight weeks to be back to normal was not a great thought. So I, I sought God in prayer over this operation and people were praying with and for me. The day of the operation came, the anesthetist knocked out the rest of my anxiety, and I woke up blabbering some silly stuff. But once my head was back to normal, the next day, I did thank God quite a lot for carrying me through this operation, for giving the doctors wisdom. And then I was on sick leave for eight days. The doctor had encouraged me to take some short walks, but most of that week I, I was lying in bed. I had more time than I would usually have had. But how difficult it was for me to physically just stay, to stay in there, and to mentally just, just be there. The ruin of that part of my body was being rebuilt, was still healing, and it was time to thank God and rejoice in that. But I had a really hard time to just be in that moment. To be in that moment of further healing. I was already thinking of getting up in a few days, of jumping around. And when that week was over, 
how difficult it was for me to, to accept that I was still healing. To accept that I could not lift heavy things or do sports or whatever. I would have had time to be with the source during that time. Because of the constraints to my body. I would have had time to go to God again and again to just be. To just be with him. But what I had gained after the operation, the healing, the process of healing, was quickly not enough anymore. For others, it might again be the situation of the job. Maybe we have prayed to God to take us out of the ruins of unemployment. And he has provided us with a job. We thank God for what he has given us, but we quickly move on and look out for the next opportunity, the next raise, the next something. Or our prayer to God to lift our relationship out of the ruins has been answered. We've, we've found a way out of the conflicts and fights of the last weeks and can finally connect again. And together we thank God for that, but we quickly move on. The date night we wanted to set up quickly becomes occupied with other things. The communal time of prayer we wanted to do in the evening is quickly sacrificed for Facebook, WhatsApp and the likes. In the midst of experiencing that God has lifted us up out of the ruins, in the midst of celebrating, let us be reminded to spend time at the source, to be, to be in that moment, to be in his moment. The procession in Nehemiah 12 moves on. Passing a few other gates before it stops at the gate of guards. A city at that time could not be without guards. Even with a wall around it, guards needed to check who was coming in and going out of the gates. And when danger appeared, closing the gates tightly so that no one could enter. In the midst of our celebrations, in the midst of our joy, we are reminded to protect what has been rebuilt. To find ways of securing our life's house or putting up guarding measures. For many of us, maybe life in the long way also means putting up, taking measures to guard the house the property, and our lives. A wall, a gate, a night guard, a dog, electric fence, panic button, burglar bars, padlocks, and so forth. We want to make sure that people who should not be on our property will not come onto it. And if they do, that at least our lives are protected and we have enough layers of security to give us enough time to react in case something like that happens. Someone jumps over the fence. 
when it comes to other parts of our lives, our relationships, our faith, our mental health, putting up protective layers is possibly not as straightforward. A padlock around my Bible will not protect my faith. A helmet on my head will not protect me from getting depression. Sunglasses will protect my eyes from the sun, but will not keep them from, from looking at destructive content on the internet. The marriage rings my wife and I share can show our unity to the outside, but will not in themselves protect our marriage from challenges or dry seasons or attacks. What are the guards we put up around what God has built or rebuilt in our lives? What are the layers of security that protect us? For me, one of the most powerful guard is the community with God and with God's people. Weak people coming together. Weak people praying together and walking together. Strengthening each other. Where we update one another on highs and lows of our life in growth group. Where we read the Bible together and let God speak through his word. Or where we come together as a church community. And strengthen each other. In our lives, in our faith, in our challenges. At times we might have to be more deliberate in putting up guards around our lives. Although it happens that God intervenes supernaturally in fighting back an attack on our mental health, the self-doubts or depression will often not just vanish. We might need people to deliberately be with us in that. We might need the help even of a professional to fight against the mental intruders and other intruders. Another example, when God has answered our prayer for a job and our first salary comes in, this will not automatically enable us to use the money wisely. We'll not solve all our financial challenges overnight. We will need to learn to budget properly. We might need to get advice on how to prioritize our spending, learn to give God from what we've been given, and find ways to secure the monthly income so that we benefit from it as long as possible. So when we celebrate our successes, let us remember that God is the God of guards. Martin Luther, the German reformator, reformer, uh, wrote a song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. A Mighty Fortress is Our God, using words from Psalm 46. God is on the front line, guarding us. And he might use our friends, our church, our community to also be God's. The final stop of the procession is the house of God, the temple. 
where here the celebration reaches its highest point, its climax. The choirs sing, the trumpets join in, sacrifices are offered to God, and then women and children join into the songs of celebration, and the rejoicing was so loud, it could be heard far away. Interestingly, when the celebration reaches the house of God, the joy and thanksgiving no longer remains something only for the professionals, the priests, the choirs, the musicians. Women, children join in. And the songs are now so loud that it can be heard beyond the city walls. When our rejoicing and thanksgiving centers around God, when we honor God with our celebration, it excites others, even those standing outside the walls. When we honor God as the architect of our building or rebuilding, others are drawn into our celebration, into our joy, into our thanksgiving. Then our celebration is not an end in itself, party for the sake of party. But we celebrate God, we rejoice in him, we yay him. I'd like to take us back and maybe, Joyce, if you could, back to the picture from the beginning of the sermon. Me and my sandcastle. Look at what I built. Look at what I, I have accomplished. When we look at the things in our lives that have been rebuilt or built, it is tempting to see ourselves as architects of what has been built. After all, I prepared for the exam. I went for that job interview. I asked her out for dinner. And look at the great result. Sometimes we need God up to the challenging moment or the difficulties, but when we are out of them, we quickly move on or forget how afraid and nervous we were before, how deep in the rubble we were. And no doubt, we will probably not lose the job immediately, or maybe at all, hopefully, just because we forgot God's role in it. At least, that's not my theology. The results of exams will, will not be deleted just because I didn't thank God enough. But Nehemiah 12 shows us what effect it can have if rejoicing honors God. If we yay God for what he has done in our lives, then our joy will spread. Others will join in. Our family, our community, our church community, our friends, and maybe even those outside the walls of our lives. People who don't know God yet possibly even our enemies. And one last time, back to that picture. Back then, as I said, I decided I would not run around the sandcastle singing worship songs to God. What a sight it would have been. But what would have happened 
if I had made the joy over that sandcastle indeed a celebration of God's love for us in creating such a beautiful place. The lake, the sand, creativity, time with kids. Maybe people would have joined in. People would have built with me. The ruins God is rebuilding in our lives are most likely more relevant, more profound and important than my sandcastle. How much more can we honor God in thanksgiving and rejoicing? And we might be surprised, we might be surprised who will start joining into that celebration. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Flood Church Sermon Podcast. Please send us your feedback by commenting below or by emailing floodlilongwe at gmail.com.